This week on Transmissions from the Dark Side, the guy from Night Court, an answering machine, the reason why bras were invented. Enter if you dare. Welcome to Transmissions from the Dark Side. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Noss. Across from me is Miss Jen Hansen. She's our other host. How you doing, Jen? I'm doing so good. How are you, Matt? Oh, man, I'm so excited. I am very excited, too. This episode of Tales from the Dark Side, episode number 12, 12, I want to say, 11, if you do not count trick or tweet, <laughs> trick or tweet, everybody remember, I have that speech impediment. Um, if you don't count it, this one was called... This one was called All a Clone by the Telephone. And to help us dissect every nit and gnat of this episode, our good friend and friend of the show and podcaster in his own right, Matt Penridge! Yay! Yay! Hey, how's it going? It's going well, man. It's great to see you. Awesome. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Thank you. Thank you for adding that. (laughs) Matt, there's a few questions that we have to ask all first-time guests. Sure. Was this your first time watching Tales from the Dark Side? It was not. Oh, so do you have a history? I have watched three episodes, all because I started listening to your podcast. (laughs) Oh, excellent. So I have never heard of the show before your podcast, that's for sure. All right. All right. So we we got you in. It sounded so good. It was so enticing. You had to watch. You roped me in. Oh, great. We roped you in. The first episode you watched, which one was that? It was the back uh, where the guy- Painkiller. 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 Yep. Yeah. Oh, time time to make the dead wife. (laughs) (laughs) It was so awful. Yeah, it's a real craptacular episode. Yep. Yeah. We specifically say not to watch it. It, uh, The acting on it reminded me of some of the people that Tim and Eric have on their show. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's great. The not actors. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Agnes Gooch. Yep. <laughs> Crushing it. It was interesting talking about this a little bit before because you were saying that, okay, this was that was the first episode you saw, so clearly the show was, was pretty crappy and didn't have great production values or cast or anything or like actors. that. Or actors. Or actors or anything. Right. But then you watched, uh, what was the next one you watched? Uh, the, the Odds. Gambler. Yeah, yeah, the gambling one. Yep. Which was much better, which I think really speaks to this show. It's It really is totally hit or miss. It's like there were a bunch of different crews running around and some made good shows and some right because they did 24 episodes in this season so yeah you have to imagine they were probably doing two at a time because they were they were paying for all of this this was again can't express can't express this enough this is so rare this was a syndicated tv show no network ever picked up tales from the dark side so from the jump it wasn't like they had so many episodes and then they got syndicated after a hundred or something like that. This was just They were they were selling it to UHF stations from the word go. Mm-hmm. Like you need programming, we've got programming. Waddle. And, That's yes. what I picture. Like present day waddle. <laughs> WADL <laughs> for sure. Yep. A hundred percent. Which is still crazy because back then there was not that much content. So if you wanted to be on something, you you you'd think they wouldn't have to have an episode like uh, painkiller where there was where it seemed like 
they were not actors. Right. They hired people off the street. You should have been able to find. And which in the episode we find today. But I mean, who I guess who are they answering to if they have some some crappy episodes? There's not like the network is no network is saying anything. So true. So it's not like they have to turn in a consistent product, which they did not. But it still seems like it would be in their interest to sure. to make more money eventually or something. Yeah. Well, they, I think they figured out that they were always going to be a late night show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always aired at like midnight. Yeah. Or like, after. Like, I don't know any market where this was an eight o'clock prime time show. <laughs> Can you imagine being like, it's eight o'clock, gather around the TV, it's time to watch Taylor Tales from the dark side. It's more of a monsters. <laughs> Crispy critters. My favorite. Ah, uh, that'll be your next show, Matt. Okay, we'll get you into monsters. Don't worry about it, listening audience. It's just a mere two years away before we <laughs> tear into monsters. Monsters was the show that uh, that came after this, and it was another anthology horror show. I believe I remember that one. Okay, and may have seen an episode or two. That one sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, the thing about Monsters, and we mention it every single time, is that if you remember anything about Monsters, you remember its intro. Because the song that they played was like... And it goes to this... It's above a cityscape. It zooms into a town. It's like very Beetlejuice-esque. And then it goes to the window of a monster family. So it's like the kids are cyclopses. The father is just like that character. Weird. He was like barf. (laughs) (laughs) Just looked like barf with a face. Um, Well, you know what they do to Chet in uh, Weird Science? That is what he looks like. Yeah. (laughs) He looks like that. He's that pile of shit. The mom comes in. She's got. She's wheeling like a little like dinnertime snack tray. The kids All right, say, kids. Oh, crispy critters, my favorite. And it's just like reptiles. Okay. And yeah. they just eat them up. And then she says something like, honey, put on the TV. It's eight o'clock, family hour. Monsters is on. Monsters, our favorite show. Shh, it's starting. <laughs> Two years, guys. Yep, Two we years will from get back ways. to you then. We'll get back to it. You'll but have to have me back. We will yes, have you oh, back absolutely. for Monsters, yeah. for sure. But the thing that I think we're talking about, especially coming off of last week, which we felt, uh, Jen and I felt, was much to uh, Mitch's chagrin, had nothing to do with him. That episode was a rough one to watch because of the acting talent in it yeah. and the way that they shot it. Whereas this episode, um, All a Clone by the Telephone, has very similar things in it yeah the writing is very the writing is similar it's not it's It's the same writer not great yeah it's another haskell barkin yep it's it's very um it's very cheesy it's very lots of vaudeville-esque jokes but uh harry anderson is the lead in this episode and he kills it knocks it out of the park this is all on his his narrow shoulders and he (laughs) runs with it uh, fair to point out that that's uh, Judge Harry Stone from, from Night, Court. Court. Night Court. Yes. Lover of Mel Torme. That's right. In real life or on Night Court? On uh, Night Court. Oh, but okay. he also was on many episodes of Cheers mm-hmm. as Harry the Grifter. Um, oh, yeah. He would always be there and he would always like dupe the bar out of stuff. Yeah, he's be- a very talented uh, magician. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because he was very much into like those... 
I guess it's called slight, mm-hmm. the sleight of hand type uh, yep. magic trick. So he would always like fool people and do David Blaine-esque things before David Blaine was a thing. Tell us the sweet deets about this episode. All Jay. right, here are the sweet deets. Now this is a very short. Uh, this is a very short synopsis, which makes sense because once you get one sentence, you know everything you need to know about this episode. Uh, so, but before we get to that, let's see. This episode aired. Where did it go? Well, let's just read the synopsis then. Uh, the life of failed TV screenwriter Leon is taken over by a voice that emanates from inside his answering machine. Uh, aired January 20th, 1985. On this day, uh, U.S. President Ronald Reagan is privately sworn in for a second term in office. Uh, he was publicly sworn in on January 21st. So do they have like a real one? Behind closed doors, when probably you're swearing somebody in. Okay, probably. I never, I never heard that before. Uh, I hadn't. I did not know that either. Um, yes. It aired in '85, right? Correct. That which is after Night Court started. Mm-hmm. When I looked it up, I thought Night Court started in the year before. Really? Am I wrong about that? Which surprised was he me. On, which... Was he on in the very beginning? Did it start with like another judge or something? Because he looks really young in this. He looks so young. Yeah. Is it possible that they, they must have recorded this, this episode of this? There's no way he was signed on a night court and did this. Right. No way. No way. No. So here's the, well, I mean, I'm going to guess here while Jen kind of does a little bit of research, but. Oh, 193 the... episodes. He was in, he was in it all. He was in all of Night Court. Yeah. And when did that show start? That show started in 1984. So, okay. So, Night Court starts in 1984. This airs in 1985. <laughs> but the first episode, the the pilot episode of, of Tales from the Dark Side was like in 83. Right. So, I can almost guarantee what happened was they filmed a bunch of them before they really had distribution. Right. Yeah. So they just kept putting them, you know, like they just kept putting them in the pocket. Yeah. So he probably filmed this in like 82, sure. late 82, early 83, mid 83, but like before he gets Night Court. Mm-hmm. Because he looks younger than he does in Night Court. Yes. Night Court, he looks much more, he looks older. And I would say like that is also around the same time. 83, 82, 83 is when Cheers starts and mm-hmm. he's a bit player on Cheers. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, starring Harry Anderson, uh, Dick Miller is the um, is the is his agent. Uh, Dick Miller has been in uh, a million things. He plays Seymour Furman. Yes, which is for sure a joke. That is Seymour Furman. <laughs> I, there is no doubt in my mind. I didn't notice it until watching it earlier. Yeah, it's the second time and. Yeah, I've watched it all and realizing all these jokes that the writer put in. Yeah. That is for sure on purpose. That is Seymour Fur, man. man. Oh, yeah. He wants to see trim. Ooh, a little yeah. pervy. A little pervy. Naughty. So, the, so um, Matt, I don't know if you knew this, but man lives. Oh, in, in a sunlit world. Uh, it's just <laughs> what he thinks to be reality. But there is unseen by most in underworld uh, go yeah. on okay well it's 
the thing it's is, it's just, it's, it's just, just as, as real. real. It's just as real. The mm-hmm. only difference is, it's you'll find it's not as brightly lit. Interesting. Some may call it a dark side. Yeah. Scary door. <laughs> so the scary door opens to show Seymour Furman's uh, talent agency. We go in, we see a young Harry Anderson, a.k.a. what's his name? His name is Leon. 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 Uh, talking to Seymour about how down in the dumps he is and how tough everything's going how for him. How tough the business is. So so Leon is a, a down-on-his-luck writer. Yep. Yeah. And then Seymour goes, well, your answering machine, machine's pretty funny. Too bad you're not as funny as your answering machine. Yeah. <laughs> but the old Bronx cheer. Which is a fart sound. Yes. yes. He goes... Pfft. Which uh, made me think a real Bronx cheer. I had a whoopee cushion as a kid, and I'm pretty sure it said, it definitely said Bronx cheer on it, but I feel like it literally said a real Bronx cheer. <laughs> it's like, you know how whoopee cushions have like a yeah. family on it? It's like sure. the dad farting. And it's just like, <laughs> that's the like, in like the fart noise is a real Bronx cheer. And I remember as a kid reading that and like, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> Probably asking my dad, and he's like, it means just farts. Just means farts, yeah. So was this, this is right around the time of, like, the answering machine boom? Right. So that is a weird thing. Like, this episode is so strangely timed. Yeah. Because I remember, I mean, it was a big deal in, like, 83, 84 when my family got an answering machine. And the answering machine in this episode is legit the size of a VCR. Yeah. Yeah, by the time that we could afford an answering machine, it was much smaller. It used micro cassette. Mm-hmm. But the, I've seen answering machines this big, and they were from like '82. Yeah, like this thing is enormous. Yeah. But before we get to the answering machine, let's just talk about his apartment for a second. Oh, his fully furnished New York yeah. apartment with a load-bearing <laughs> W.C. Fields poster. <laughs> They went. <laughs> the set direction in this episode was like, he's a failed writer. What would he have on his walls? Uh, Marilyn Monroe. W.C. Fields. W.C. Fields. Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire. Clark that, Gable. Yeah, because the that was. I feel like the Fred Astaire like they use that for the Ingmar Berg Bergman. Yes. <laughs> As they say later, <laughs> Ingmar Bergman uh, reference. Because they say it, and then they that's like in the background. But yeah, definitely it was like, yeah, you had to have those posters in. Yeah. It wasn't enough to say he was a writer. You had to let us know with the posters. Yeah, mm-hmm. you had to let us know that, like, this guy likes classic Hollywood right. iconography. Yeah. Like, he loves the past. <laughs> uh, according to Wikipedia, answering machines became more widely used after the restructuring of AT&T in 1984, which was when the machines became affordable and sales reached 1 million units per year in the U.S. So we are, so this is, this is topical. This is. Holy shit. So I'm going to say that I was wrong about the timing. This was probably done in 1984 because yeah, he says they split up Ma Bell. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this was like a fresh off the. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what that line meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then he says sprint. Which yeah. was another thing. I don't know. I mean, that was such a big deal, the divestment of uh, AT&T. Yeah. 
but I remember those sprint commercials where they used to drop a pin and then they were like a thousand boners on the other end. Like <laughs> you can hear a pin drop. Our our engineers did it and like it was like a a cold room with an <laughs> with a receiver and someone dropping a pin and on the other end was like a bunch of silent scientists around a phone <laughs> and when the pin dropped they were like Anyway. Musical guest, pin drop. Musical guest, sprint and MCI. <laughs> we should we should just have a band called MCI. It's a great band name. There's MCI, a mob. MCI Sound System. MCI Sound System. <laughs> There's a Mob Bellary uh, reference in a Beastie Boys songs too. Mm, you got Beastie that Boy ill song. communication. Yeah. yeah, like Ma Bell, you got the ill. Who's? No, it makes sense. He comes in. Now he's come into this apartment. Which is shabby. This is a shabby. I thought I thought L.A. more than New York. Okay. Because he has a car, and oh, nobody yeah. has a car yeah. in New York. Yeah. It also said like Hollyview Apartments, something like that. Yeah. Yep. Well, if he's a TV writer, why is he in New York? Are we? He's definitely in New York. No. Hollywood. No. 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 He's, oh, in, he's Hollywood. in Hollywood. He's in Hollywood. Okay. He's in Hollywood. The Hollywood Awards. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks into his sparse. I mean, at least it wasn't like. The friend's apartment where it's just like, how the fuck did... Right. This place looks like a shithole. Right. He looks like he's living in a starving artist place. Right. And maybe he maybe he looks rough and maybe he looks young and maybe he took this because after only a year of Night Court, you know, was it... I don't remember it being like an instant hit. I, I was very young when that happened. It but, probably wasn't. Yeah. So maybe it took a while. And he might have agreed to it earlier before. Sure. I feel like that for sure. Yeah. He had to have... He had to have agreed and had to do this because if he already had night card, I don't think there's any way he would have did the bleh, did the epi- this episode. I wonder if it was like directed by. I wonder if if is the guy who Twitter? directed this episode oh is Harry Anderson on Twitter? Yes. Oh well, I'm gonna find out. Yeah. Uh, you guys keep talking because if he is, I'm gonna tweet at him. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> Um, maybe like the, the director of an episode of Night Court was like, oh, I'm directing this episode of, uh, of, of this show, this, this anthology and somebody dropped out and we can pay you a couple grand, you know, for the weekend. Would you do this? And he's like, sure. Why not? I don't yeah. mind. I do things all the time. Because it's, it, it, it's very sparse. There's only four actors in it mm-hmm. total. Mm-hmm. So it probably was a weekend. Yeah. And this is also, so as answering machines gained in popularity so did um leaving like funny outgoing messages on answering machines or just answering machine humor in general so when seymour at the top is talking about you know you got an answering machine it's so creative with the bronx cheer there were lots of um you could like order cassettes that would um that had like outgoing messages i remember do you remember those commercials matt that were like nobody home nobody oh yes i do And there was like, so there were like all these songs you could leave. There was the rap song and the the opera and the something else. Um, so anyway, so Leon gets home to a shitbag apartment. Um, there's a message from his girlfriend. Yes. She says something like, I can't believe you, you know, you would have the nerve to say that on my answering machine. Right. I mean, calling me. And and I, the, oh, did you write it down? I wrote it down because oh, this is what I, I thought that was funny. She, There's an answering. It's her saying, I can't believe you said that about my mother. Mm-hmm. She 
is saying that his out his answering machine, his outgoing message or his his message is now saying how his mom is a bag lady at like a grocery store. And which is funny because she's like, I can't believe you would say that just because just because she said you're a failure. And she's like, <laughs> wait. And then she breaks up with him over yeah. the phone. And it's just really strange because it's like, well, she said he's a failure. Like that's worse than leaving a message about saying her she's job, a bag lady right? and likes like, to shop. That was and th- and that was basically that was basically what she was complaining. It's like you called my mother a bag lady just because she likes to shop. I, it was weird. Yeah. That was weird. Uh, he's not on Twitter because the if the page that is him, yeah, uh, or that looks like it could be him, then he's using his only picture on IMDb. <laughs> so I don't think it's him. All right, I don't think it's him. So we'll find out some other way. Is that the end of Act One? Or uh, because I wrote at this point, I wrote this fucking answering machine. Yeah, I wrote haunted an- answering I, machine. I wrote girlfriend equals harpy shrew. Uh, she said, "I can't, I can't have a relationship with a man who lets his answering machine do his dirty work." Yeah. All right. I don't think it's the end of Act One. I feel like he goes to the apartment first. First. To her apartment, right? Yeah, he does. He does. I, I, it might go to commercial at that point. So here's the question: Does the answering machine reveal itself sentient before or after he goes to her apartment? After, I thought so too. Okay, because he gets to her apartment after this, and she's like, "You better have a good excuse. It better, it better be Oscar worthy." And oh, he just yeah. is like, "My answering machine is making funny sounds." <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of like Act 1B. Yeah. Like, it's still furthering this thing that something's funny with this answering machine. Yeah. That's um, right. Can we talk about dim titties for a second? Uh, uh, straight nips? Yeah. No, no bra. bra. No bra. Nips out. <laughs> this this show, the budget was so tight. Is it weird? <laughs> that It was the first thing I noticed. Yeah, It was me just too. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Which is fine. Look, she's looking to get discovered for any work Any at all. work at all. No reasonable offer refused right. or, for these titties. Or the writer and director are pervs. Right. That would be more yeah. my guess. Yeah, you, you look... Yeah, was she directed to take her bra off? Yeah, like, you know what? You look really great in that tank top, but you know what I think would be better? Braless. I feel like no doubt in my mind was she directed to. Okay. Like You know what? Let's all get comfortable. It's Let's 1984, all take off like... I don't know. I guess maybe not, but I feel like how, yeah. How could she not have been directed? Like nobody. I maybe if she was she was hoping this would would help her scene work or something. Maybe they had to tell her to put on a top. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not that kind of movie, yeah. sweetheart. I feel better tits out. This yeah. is me. Yeah. She well, she is rocking. She's rocking her breast. She's yeah. she's doing the best she can. Harry Anderson comes in. No. Sad sacking. Yeah. He's so sad, he's not even noticing dim titties. Right. Yeah. Which is a true testament to Harry Anderson's acting ability. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. What happened? You better have an Oscar-worthy excuse. Yeah. Uh, my answering machine made some funny sounds. I think that's literally. I think that's not literally what he says too. Yeah. But it's my answering machine is making funny sounds. Yeah, like, my machine what? definitely has a defect. Yes. yes. <laughs> what? A defect. That's the thing. Is like 
he gives he gives no more thought to it. He doesn't try to explain it really. Right. Like he isn't confused at all. That happens a lot on this show too. It's oh, you know, I've got back pain where I got it. You want me to kill my wife? Um, uh, that's I don't know. All right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no like weighing of of you know options and no wait. What does this mean? Is it you know? Right. Am I going crazy? Does he leave the apartment immediately thereafter? Almost immediately because I don't <laughs> yes. have anything else that happens. And in- also, what's great he. He's, she's like, leave or whatever. He leaves and she goes, Ugh. like, yeah. she's like so yeah. sad about it. She's like, oh, <laughs> like, why don't you just stop him? Yeah. What? Figure out what the hell's happening. Yeah, this lady wants to marry him hard. It's yes. mentioned several times in act one. And then- Which brings us back to uh, tales from the dark side writers cannot write female characters. No, 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 huh. they, they cannot. They just want to capture him and... Nail him down. Or, or anything about a relationship in general or about how people talk. Because most of the time, it's not someone doesn't just walk into an apartment, go all the way across town, let's say, to another appointment or another apartment, walk in, say, I think my answering machine's broken. Well, goodbye. Yeah. That's a phone call. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it didn't take very long. Uh, it didn't take too long to uh, figure out, like, I bet you the guy who wrote this didn't grow up in the 60s or 70s right did not take too long <laughs> yep yep his worldview he did not go he was not like not progressive yeah yeah, yeah. no <laughs> which was the case he was born in 1933 i looked it up i love the amount of research you're coming in with it makes me so happy well i no but uh, i can't I, I know i wrote it down i can't think of his name and i know you said haskell it. barkin haskell yes. barkin yeah. which also seems like it's too bad he's not a little more famous because that seems like oh total classic like that should be a phrase like oh haskell barkin yep yeah. classic haskell barkin well it's becoming a phrase around here yeah this is it's definitely <laughs> this is a, another classic haskell barkin it's a definite transmission phrase that pays yeah <laughs> phrase the pays to how real uh, haskell barkin <laughs> all right that ends act one because now it's act two he's in bed He's rocking some jammies. Son. Oh, he looks adorable. Yes. Harry Anderson, Harry cute Anderson as a button, is a sweetie yeah. pie. Yeah. All of a sudden, his answering machine starts talking to him. Wakes oh, yeah. him up and mocks him, which it's bad enough being woken up in the middle of the night, but then to be mocked by your own answering machine. Mm. Yeah, it's if a... I had a dollar. <laughs> Who is the answering machine? Is clearly it, it's in Harry Anderson's voice, but it is the voice of Haskell Barkin. Uh, uh, Catskills comedian. Yes. Yes. This is consistent with... You got a real tin typewriter, kid. I wrote tin typewriter. Like, (laughs) what are you... Oh, God, I hate your guts. Yeah. And then... uh, Well, so last week, imagine a whole episode where it was only the answering machine talking. (laughs) <laughs> that was last week's episode. It was so bad. The way, like, the the jokiness of it, you mean? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, where it's just like, there's nothing to do. Was it another... Wait, his name's Haskell Barkin? Haskell Barkin. Was it another Barkin? <laughs> yeah. Last week? Yeah, it was another HP. Because I wrote in here somewhere, like, it seemed like he was writing it for Groucho Marx. Like, yes. That's, like... <laughs> There's a bunch of lines where you picture like the per- the actor is supposed to have a cigar. Nah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, I'll take the one on the left. Ah, your dialogue's a real tin typewriter, see? Yeah. Well, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not Groucho. <laughs> nope. See? Nah, see? Nope, yeah, that's see. a little more Jimmy me Nah, see? Nah, You're on see, top I'm of the world, ma. <laughs> or like Mae West. Because there's like, especially when the answering machine was calling the the movie. Uh, oh, God. Calling the movies and sweet talking the voice at the movie, the recording at the movie theater. Yes. That was awful. Yeah. That yeah. might have been the worst part of the show. So so the important thing from this conversation that Harry Anderson is having with the answering machine is the answering machine says, does the phrase alternate universe mean anything to you? <laughs> now, if you didn't catch this, it's fine because it's said another 43 times <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> they, um, they really did a good job setting up a plot point that they never go into. Yep. No. Yeah. The alternate. Yeah. Like, all you are to believe is there's an alternate universe where the voice in the answering machine is a real person? Where all machines are sentient, but but it's not like, it's not like there's... Only uh, recorded voices, it seems like. Yeah. It's not like there's a Harry Anderson in another universe and they're communicating with each other through the answering Which machine. Which is what I was expecting Which to happen. Which is what I was happen. thinking was going to be, too. Which is how we can, that, that will be my change for the end of the episode when we get to that point. When we get to that point. Yes. Yeah, because I was very much like, why, why would the machine be sentient? And why, and why would that make it an alternate reality? Or alternate universe, excuse me. Right. Uh, that was one of the Groucho lines because the answering machine says, you live in an alternate universe. And Leon says, I live in a furnished apartment. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, see? Uh, Wise guy. Ah. Nose hit. Pliers to the teeth. <laughs> Pies. It is at this point that uh, the the answering machine really wants to show off. Really wants to show what it does. Mm -hmm. So it decides to call a movie theater. Yep. A movie theater hotline. Yes. That is showing eight multiple double features that's a lot of 18 movies. That's a excuse huge, me yeah it was 18 double features so that's 36 movies at once <laughs> that's 18 theaters showing 36 movies <laughs> this is an alternate universe right where movies are 22 minute serialized right. television <laughs> shows how was this possible and it seems at first that the, the it was a female voice for the movie theater. Yep. So the male answering machine voice belonging to Harry, a.k.a. Leon, mm -hmm. uh, gives her a call. And she starts saying, welcome to Movieplex. Tonight we're showing 18 double features. <laughs> and then he starts sweet talking, with, but not even close to like sweet talking. He's like... Hey, it's it's like when you total the, perv. It's like when the robot on short circuit was like, <laughs> "Hey, sugar." <laughs> That's exactly what it was like. Yeah. <laughs> just, what the fuck are you doing? Ooh, that sounds good. Ah, yeah. <laughs> ah, see, like what the way you say those numbers, baby. <laughs> Oh, that's what he, uh, he's that because that's when he said he knows Ingmar. He says, oh, "Oh yeah." This is what he says to the girl as like hitting on her, like trying to say, "I could get you in the mm -hmm. business," and he says, "Like 
because she's a voice. She's just a voice. So he says, like, maybe doing English for foreign pictures. How'd you like to work for Ingmar Bergman? Do you really know Ingmar Bergman? Do you really know Ingmar Bergman's soundtrack? Soundtrack. That's right. That was <laughs> that's, funny. Yeah, that's And that's when right. I was like, wait, yeah. what the hell? Like, it was just such a weird thing. That's when I realized, like, oh, wait, they're dating, like, I don't know. The whole thing was so this weird. Is, uh, this is Nathan Detroit talking to Adelaide uh, <laughs> in Guys and Dolls. He goes at some... At, I got the machine right here. His, his name is, is Harry Anderson. Kiss, 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 kiss. kiss. A weird way of showing affection. <laughs> Odd. Odd to say the least. Yeah. Um, also, one real quick thing. Mm-hmm. While the voice... While the answering machine talks the red light blinks like in rhythm to his voice, yes. which I loved. Yes. It's a nice little Great touch. Great little detail. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I did not see that. Yeah. Which I feel like it's lame, but it also does, like if you just showed the answering machine and it was talking and they didn't have that red light, it It'd would be not boring. be. Yeah. yeah it wouldn't oh, work as well. oh, oh, when the answering machine talks. Yes. Yeah. When yeah, the answering yeah, machine yeah, talks, yeah. That, yeah. that little light. Okay. Out. I thought you, okay. Sorry. I got the wrong Harry. <laughs> I thought like when uh, the Leon character was talking, AKA Harry Anderson. Not when the answering machine was talking. Just when the answering uh, yeah. machine from the alternate universe that doesn't seem to know how alternate universes work. This episode. All right. <laughs> so I, at this point, I write, this answering machine's a real prick. It's a real prick. Well, he's sassy, and he knows Hollywood. He knows Ingmar Bergman's soundtracks. Um, he's and he's had to hustle to to get ahead. He knows he knows everybody in the business, as we see later in this episode. He knows every machine, every recording, coast to Mavun Coast. Absolutely. Yeah. There is something that we forgot to mention. Before he goes over to the girlfriend's home, he unplugs the telephone wire from the answering machine. Mm-hmm. But when the guy wakes him up in the morning, when the answering machine wakes him up, he plugs it back in. Yeah. Uh, you might have said it, but the telephone line. The telephone it line. still has electricity. Right. That's why it can talk, but it does not have the landline plugged in, so it's not Correct. connected to the, the telephone yeah. mm-hmm. system. Right. Which it's still called the girl. No, that was no, after he plugged it in. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's right. Because I had in my notes. Also, he convinces... The answering machine convinces him so easily to plug him back in. Yeah. He's just fucked his life over. And the answering machine is talking to him. And he's just like, hey, plug me back in. He's like, oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No big deal. So I, I, at at this point, I just write act Harry Anderson act. Um, Because he is. He is alone in a room with a voiceover reacting. Right. And he is holding his own. He really is, because this is not easy what he's doing. And he does not have great material to work with. No, no. He, he's dealing with, uh, it's a real Haskell Barkin on his hand. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real Haskell Barkin. So he goes back to see his agent. Yes. Yeah. So now he's going back to see the agent. Agent says, kid, you're going to love me. I don't know how I did it. It's magical. It's un- unbelievable. But uh, uh, got you meetings with uh, two Hollywood executives. And then Harry Anderson says, I'm in an alternate universe. Right. So odd. Yeah. 
And then that's pretty much the whole meeting with the agent? Yep. Okay. Bless so you. we never see a moment of that meeting between no. the agents. We just No, we just see home. him coming home dejected from the meeting. And um, uh, his agent is leaving a message on his, on his voicemail saying, Ah, it's okay, kid. You know, nobody's getting work right now. Don't worry about those two meetings. Now, all of a sudden, Dolores, the girlfriend with the perky breasts from earlier, is just there? Or does she knock and appear? I don't know how this happened. I, I thought she just walked in right after him. Okay, maybe. she must yeah. have just walked right in. And she attacks him with hugs and kisses. How soon do you want the wedding? I'm so excited. My mother's going to blow her tits off. I don't know what to do. Yeah. I'm very excited. And there's another Groucho line in there about... Oh, yeah. Because he's like... Uh... Oh, no. I'm, I'm jumping the gun. Sorry, go. That's okay. <laughs> no, no guns. Well, yeah. <laughs> he ends up. She comes, and then it ends up being figures out it's an answering machine who did made this call, and he kind of goes crazy. And then uh, she says, "You sound like my mother when I said I'd I'd accept your proposal." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's another Groucho line. Yep. For some reason, the uh, the place is dark, and um, Harry Anderson has had it. Leon is not happy. Yeah. I did not propose to you. The mach- this machine proposed. So he grabs the machine and he throws it on the floor. And then it is revealed. Leon, why did you smash your VCR? And then Harry Anderson has the closest Planet of the Apes reenactment <laughs> I have ever seen. No. It can't be. I was recording the show. I was recording the late show. <laughs> what? He's uh. like picking up the pieces of tape. Oh yeah, his his like like their intestines of a Vietnam friend. Yeah. They also it seemed like they must have broke four machines. There was way more way more the stuff in there than they were like yeah, yeah. Like, he was in a pile. Then, yeah. <laughs> The other thing is, like, have you ever thrown a VHS tape against the ground? Yeah. It does not break easy. No. It does not break easy. No, you got to smash it with your foot. Yeah. Or a hammer Mm -hmm. or something. You have to crack it. This thing is spaghetti Jesus. Like, it is (laughs) straight up tape kebab. It is everywhere. And he's like, (laughs) it's just a wash in VHS tape. He says something like, she has this great line because he says something like, I feel, you know, this is, this is insane. I feel like I'm going crazy. And she says, do machines make people crazy? I don't know. I'm not into modern electronics. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, read the room. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yes, she just answers it answers it like an idiot Mm -hmm. because she's a woman right sure of course and the writer was born in 1933 and i guess you know all men back then just think well he also could hate women too so it's true i I mean you could just you could just straight up hit a woman yeah yeah um sorry guys yeah (laughs) sorry times are different (laughs) harry anderson and and through this whole scene like this is a very emotional scene you know, he's really acting out and throwing stuff and freaking out and yelling at her and telling her that he didn't propose. And it's 
for this goofy episode, he's like really selling it. And there's this sort of crazy glint in his eye. He's got a very um, like Bruce Campbell vibe yeah, to he, it. He in, has a good like, derailed. Yeah, he's got like a good Ash Evil Dead, you know, sort of winking, but like really selling it too, which I think is him nailing it in this episode. Yeah. The only weird thing is, is how quickly now he's gone crazy. Right. Like there's been a few incidents is and he's gone crazy and it's just like he hasn't spent any time trying to figure out what's happening. He just accepts it and goes crazy. Yeah. There weren't any deep conversations with the machine. Like, what are you talking about? What is your universe? Why are you talking to me specifically? Why do you sound like me? Yeah. Why aren't you just being nice to me? Right. (laughs) What do you want? Why are you so mad? Yeah. Are you hungry? (laughs) No. Eat tapes. So he now does something that I probably would have done at the very beginning, which is he's just straight up unplugs the answering machine entirely. And erases the the tape. Right. The answering machine warns him, like, you don't want to do that. I have friends. You'll be sorry. And uh, then at this point, I wrote, you fucked with the wrong answering machine. (laughs) You fucked with the wrong answering machine. Give me back my tape. Give me back my tape. (laughs) Cut to the next morning. Harry Anderson looks like one of those drunks from the 50s. (laughs) Like when he's been out all night and it's like him walking on a black soundstage and they just keep putting bar names behind him. 100%. His his hair is is ruffled. He's got that 10 o'clock shadow. (laughs) Was his shirt ripped? I, no, I don't believe so. I noticed, I, I noticed yeah. what you noticed, and I don't think so. I think it was just the color of it, I think. Okay, it was weird because it yes. looked like there was like a bite taken out of his shirt. I did write so many Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, Well, yeah. that's Harry Anderson's bringing his own Hawaiian shirts. Oh, of course. Like, yeah. well, Do you have an uh, outfit? Of course I do. Of course I do, yeah. I have so it. many, so many nat- nasty. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Bahama and me are very close friends. I bet a lot of people supplied their own costumes for this show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And by costumes, you mean clothes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I did wear this to a party once. Will that work? I bet a lot of this was like trauma style. Oh, what do you mean? Just, just, you know, bare bones, you know, bring your own effects, camp out in the, you know, they were living in that, uh, that, that apartment for a whole weekend and and barring the door when the, you know, when somebody tried to come by to rent it or something. No, I love lice. It's a wash with lice. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be surprised if they couldn't, they didn't film all of the apartment scenes in three hours yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah those yeah. were very quick pickups yeah. yeah this show is is famous for their one and done and moving on oh yeah like the these are all one takes yep so so he's getting phone calls now harry anderson is a hot mess and he's up the next day and now his phone starts ringing and he's getting random calls from mechanical answering machines mm-hmm. the tell of the t- tone of the time will be um, he gets a call from a weather service. Right. Like all of these random calls. Uh, and so then he goes downstairs to go get in his car and a guy in a convertible pulls up and says, hey, is your name Leon? Yeah. 
Yeah, this is going to sound dumb. It's for you. This is going to sound dumb, but it's for you. And he holds yeah. out a car phone. Like a gun. Yep. Did he take the call? I can't remember. No, no, no. because the guy explains that it's a weather service. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he goes, ah! <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he... I don't know where I wrote it down. He's He does that classic thing. He goes... Because as he's driving away, he's like, what do you work for the CIA? Huh? And oh yeah, back. why? Uh, yeah, why? Comma, I know. Huh? Where, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey buddy, hey, what's your story? Hey buddy, do you work for the CIA? Huh? Yeah, which is totally out of character for the guy because the guy is like just like some. He looks like a little like Jose Canseco, like old fat Jose Canseco mm-hmm. kind of, um, like sixty year old Jose Canseco, and he's just like, "What do you work for the CIA? Huh?" <laughs> like, it's in the script. Is not the way that guy talks. Look, we don't want to take this this too many more times but we really need you to really accentuate the huh yeah. at the end it's okay. a real haskell what's, barking yeah. what's even better is i bet you that's the one scene they did like 40 takes because yep. he's like what do you work for the cia huh, huh? <laughs> okay and we're gonna cut right here okay i mean i'm gonna just mouth it I'm you sorry, just no, go uh, no i can get okay? it okay all right uh, and work go. for the cia huh yeah all right and cut okay all right, all right. Well, no no I, I think we're getting closer we're getting closer <laughs> Definitely. You are very confused now, though, okay? You got to really sell me on the confusion. Here's the thing. We we only have one Super VHS cassette to tape this whole episode. (laughs) And we are running out of tape. So... We're done. I think we're done. That that put them over budget. We go back to Anderson, Harry Anderson's, a.k.a. Louie's apartment. It's a wash in Chinese food. (laughs) I wrote so much Chinese food violently eating chicken it was everything i paused it the first time i watched it there was he's he had a chicken bucket he had chinese food there is an empty pizza box on his left and there was in the link in the foreground there was like a cigarette pack and a cigarette but like it was like all the things yeah so he's going to his vices Yeah. yeah he's a stress eater he's a stress eater he is gaunt, by the way, too. Yeah. Like, oh, he is a he is a waif. He is a whisper of a magician. Yeah, yeah, and tall, yeah, tall in a buck thirty if soaking oh, wet. Oh, yep, yep, one hundred percent. Absolutely, ring, 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 ring. Tales from the dark side phone again. <laughs> Harry Anderson doesn't want to answer this phone. He does not. No. But it could be Seymour. It could Seymour Fur Man. Seymour yeah. Fur Man. Or it could be his agent. Or it could be... It could be the answering machine again. He's a scared... To, he's a scared. He's yeah. a scared. Why Why does he have the phone plugged in? I do not understand that. Because it could be work. Because it could be somebody like the amazing Quentin Crisp? Quentin Carp. Quentin Carp. Quentin Carp. So he answers the phone. Nobody's there. He hangs it up. Ring, ring again. Quentin Carp. Seymour Seymour Fur Man says, "Hey, you got you got some time with the one and only legendary producer, Quentin, Quentin Carp. Yep. Um, Leon passes out with excitement, yep. and there's a thud, and I was like, did he did he kill himself? <laughs> that was my first thought. Like, what was that? Is that how this episode of Tales yeah. from the Dark Side is? Because <laughs> it could. Because why not? All right, so now we're going to play one of my favorite games called Describe This Character. Okay. Uh, We all take (laughs) notes. We take feverish notes during these episodes, and we all wrote down something uh, when we saw Quentin Carp. 
Um, if anybody has a really good one, because mine sucks this time. Yeah, I don't have a good one. It's just a description of him. Um, I have uh, Ron Jeremy, Hollywood producer with handlebar mustache and red tracksuit. Ooh, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I wrote down, what the fuck is that tennis costume? Are those pajamas and that mustache? <laughs> that mustache was unstoppable. It was so big. Yeah. And I wrote down, red, red tracksuit gigolo. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think with those those descriptions, you can see this red tracksuit bedecked. He's a I th- weekend I don't think Santa. it's fair to call it a track suit. It was not an athletic suit. No, because he was playing I tennis. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Because he trounced that Italian filmmaker. Yeah. He had a tennis racket that was, well, I guess in 84, that would have made sense. Was it velvet or velour? It, it was a velour track suit. Yeah, it was like, it had a hood, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. It like unzipped a little. It was oh yeah, like she had if some you, chest hair out. If you think about uh, something that oh. a, a 2000s girls would wear that says juicy, he <laughs> <Yeah>. was <laughs> wearing the male the male 80s equivalent of that. And yeah. he's wearing it without a shirt underneath because yep. it's unzipped to like you know mid nipple level, and you can see his chest hair. So that means he's not wearing a shirt, and that like yeah that that zipper is like rubbing, and it's got to be you know he lost some chest hair on that. For sure. Oh, for sure. And also there's Ooh. an he. He's allegedly just got done playing tennis, though not with sweaty a famous at all. Italian filmmaker. Right, and there's also an exercise machine in his office. But this guy, let me tell you, is not in shape. He's not in great shape. <laughs> he is yeah. not in shape. <laughs> no, sweaty heap of a man. Yeah, it was dropped off by one of the studios. Yeah. It was a gift. He got a basket of treadmills. Yeah. Right, he did Runner, the movie <laughs> for Fox. Uh, I believe the only reason why they had him playing tennis was it set up some kind of slice pun as well. There is a joke. Uh, there's like, oh yeah, there is a there is a slice joke. Yeah, because the guy is like uh, the famous Italian director gets final cut. That's mm-hmm. what he says. But I'll tell you what, he, he's got no slice because that's a kind uh, of tennis. Oh yeah, that's a yep. tennis shot. So lame. That's a that's a great thanks Haskell. Uh, so at this point, this director starts talking or producer whatever. Uh, Quentin Cott Quentin Cott is Quentin Carp Quentin Carp is and he goes hey uh, love your miniseries idea it's gonna be Roots it's gonna be something else the Thornbirds fuck it the Thornbirds all of them (laughs) the miniseries that Leon pitched to him but Leon doesn't know he pitched him a miniseries because he left it on his answering machine yeah oh and that's when I wrote wait so the answering machine is the reason he's there okay when did this happen and then they actually did a good job exposition wise of saying you left it a few weeks ago yeah 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 why didn't you call me right away I don't know I slipped my mind which is kind of a bullshit reason because also he goes, but once I heard it, I couldn't go to bed. I couldn't go to bed. I love the idea. I don't remember any of it now. Right. Wait, you didn't realize that it was the answering machine that got him that meeting? Before... Well, I, I figured that it would have been, but like. But if the answering machine was unplugged since. How did a few the answering ago, machine. Ah, so, I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay, yeah. Yep. Um, so, so Leon realizes this in the middle of the meeting because, um, because the Mr. Carp. Wants him to, uh, you know, explain the rest of his amazing idea, this amazing miniseries. And but he wants to do it in something I gingerly call nut talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down, too. There is so much nut talk. Because he wants 
He wants uh, Harry Anderson's character to explain it because he wants the nut. Yeah, he wants yeah, the yeah. Nut he doesn't, of want, the story. He doesn't just want the nutshell. Yeah, he doesn't want it in a nutshell. Nutshells don't fill ten hours. We also need the nut. <laughs> I'm going to get you that nut. Oh, I'm going to nut all over you. Yeah, so much nut. So much nut. I'm going to give you, he says, I'm going to get you that miniseries nut. <laughs> Hashtag miniseries Hashtag nut. Hashtag miniseries nut. I'm going to get you 10 hours of nut. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I'm going to get you that miniseries nut. That's what Leon says to yeah. him. That's uh, That very much should be a quote now. Like, that's that's 30 years ahead of its time. All right. That miniseries, that miniseries nut. nut. I'm going to get you that miniseries mm. nut. Hashtag. <laughs> I'm gonna put you in furs. I'm gonna put you in that miniseries. You know, Seinfeld nuts. got that uh, that uh, sitcom nut. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He got so much sitcom nut. Oh, he got that residual nut. What's the deal with all this sitcom nut? <laughs> Rizzolo and Isles, they got that. <laughs> Rizzoli and Isles, sitcom nut. That's got right. That sweet sitcom nut. Uh, at this point, are we in Act Three? Yes. Because now Leon runs home. No, no, we were in Act Three. I think when. When he got to, because once Leon gets home, like the episode's basically. Oh over. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think we were in Act Three when he goes to see uh, Carp. Yeah, we're definitely I think Act there. Three starts when he went outside and talked to old fat Jose Canseco. Right. Okay. No. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Was... I think you're right. I think the end of Act Two is him unplugging the answering machine. Act Three is him dealing with the unplugging of the answering machine and the denouement is about to come is basically him in the because uh, this would be climax I, I can't remember and I think we might be the only people who care about the act structure of the show could be <laughs> I, but, <laughs> I really do though, I know I know because they try to do the whole thing in 22 minutes right which is a Herculean it, task yeah. it really is which is why so many of them miss yes uh, in Either way, for sure, where we are at right now is, is Act like the, Three. The, yeah, yes. in the tail end. And just to point out, we still have no idea why this answering machine is doing any of this at all. It's right. driving me nuts the whole time. I'm like, why? Why? What is all of this? Yeah, even if it's even if it's from an alternate universe or something. At one point, and that's the other thing too. Going back is like the answering machine gets his girlfriend back for mm-hmm. him, and I was yeah. like, why is he being nice now? And they don't ever explain that. Why was he nice then? And why did he? Why does this guy yeah, not why want does he to? He's a the... failing person. Right. And his, he has this beautiful girlfriend. Marry her. What do you have? Right. You have uh, exactly. We'll get right. there. We're, we're going to get mom's there. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Her, I, well, at some point in my notes, I wrote Dolores dumped this loser. Right. <laughs> this guy is a loser. Yes. So Leon goes, runs in the door. He's apologizing profusely to the answering machine. He plugs it back in. That again, that machine is enormous. It is like a washing machine. <laughs> and he's like, not talking to it. No, cold shoulder from the answering machine. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down, he erased the tapes. So I thought what was going to happen is that the answering machine was not going to be able to oh, right, right, do right. anything. That would be good. Because then we would have had stakes. Right. I told you not to erase me. Yeah. I don't remember anything. So the, the, the machine finally says something. Hey, what's okay. up? <laughs> That's what it was. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> it might as well have yeah. been sup. Now he wants to make a deal. Yes. And this is where the episode lost me. 
Because he's like, you figure out what I want. Yes. It's like, uh, what do you want? The girlfriend? What do you want? Money? No, think bigger. I, when we were doing this, because I was getting so frustrated about uh, trying to figure out what this answering machine wants, mm-hmm. and then to realize he literally asks, what do you want? I paused it and gave myself three minutes. I was like, can you figure out what I want? And I couldn't. <laughs> Because what he wants is inconsequential. Right. What I thought... So what did you think he wanted? I literally could not figure it out. But I I, mean, what? what, Like, what's your number one with a bullet? Number one with a bullet was whatever spirit there is in that answering machine. He wanted to take over Harry Anderson's body. Yes. Yes. And then Harry Anderson's spirit and voice and whatever goes into the answering machine. Yes. And that would make sense but the whole well leading up to all of that then why are you a dick why can't you well you do have to get him to agree to this right but this will come in later to my suggestion but also i want to point out we talked about it i think the voice has changed at this point it seems like it I, has yeah. yeah i feel like it's no longer um like they straight up adr these way late right. right but i think that it's not even harry anderson's voice anymore mm-hmm. i think it's no harry had to go yeah. Harry had to, that was a, you had two days with Harry Anderson to get all of your right. ADR, everything. See that, oh, I didn't even think about that. Do you think, I, see, I, in my opinion, I thought it was, was like a Was that somebody doing like choice. a Harry Anderson, like, was that somebody trying to do a Harry Anderson voice or did he just give up and that was just. Or I thought that now, right. No, I thought it was an intentional choice. Like this is a different thing now. Mm. He's going to be real. So it's a different character's voice. Yeah. I, I don't know. It probably doesn't matter. Both of those kind of work for me. Sure. I would probably say that it has more to do with Harry had to go. Yeah. And they needed the ADR and they couldn't afford it. So they just got somebody to do the shittiest Brooklyn accent. Yeah. So the machine eventually reveals that what it wants is to be famous. Fame. What? But, But what does that mean? Does the machine want to have billing rights? Like, you know, screenplay by answering machine. Like, does it literally want to be famous or does it want to make him famous? And like, but he is his voice because he's still, if he's writing all this stuff for Harry Anderson, he's still not famous. The machine is not famous. Right. I wrote, is it even, I wrote, is that even bad? Like, uh, Harry Anderson's going to still get credit. How can this thing get credit? It's a mess. It makes no sense. Zero. It, It makes zero sense because how, exactly, how is the machine going to be famous the machine has a lot of ideas though because it's got i'm gonna write a stage play miniseries features and then the pulitzer yeah the pulitzer read is insane yes pulitzer the pulitzer yeah. also an award for journalism right <laughs> just saying not a writing just yeah um for writing but for writing for journalism purposes mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, boy. And also, my note, too. Why didn't he just say all this at the top? Why was he trying to fuck up Harry Anderson's Leon? Yeah. Why was he trying to fuck up his life? for the, Why? For fame? Why didn't you just tell him, hey, buddy, I got some ideas. Start writing these down. It's so funny that this episode is back-to-back with Jin No Chaser, mm-hmm. written by the same person, and it's basically the same thing. He, yeah, it's like a genie. It's another genie in a bottle. Right. Uh it is it is the thing that can make all of your dreams come true. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is so much more palatable than Jin No Chaser, though, because of Harry Anderson. But that's because of Harry Anderson. And this is not as as joke heavy. 
Yeah. Thank God. Oh my God. Which is funny because I was, I thought this was, to me, it was joke heavy. But oh, it was. Yeah, I watch, yeah. feel free to watch Jen No Chaser. Or don't do that. I probably will because okay. I'll listen to the episode okay. and we'll have wanted to watch it. And then it keeps going. Now, Harry Anderson is at his typewriter taking dictation from the answering machine. The end. The end. Yeah. What? Such a fucking letdown. Yeah. I was like, uh, I, all right, I, I guess. Yeah, it made no sense. It, I mean, I. It, that's the thing is like, so they never said, like, can you just at least give like, show a movie poster with like TCD30 as the as the writer. Right, that was right, the right. answering machine yeah. model. Like in Harry's getting none of this. And for, for whatever reason, he still has to type it out for him or something. Right. If not, it seems like he's on. Now he's going to be a successful writer, but behind it is an answering machine. I don't care. Which it seems if like he'd be me. fine with because yeah. he's a terrible writer. Like he's yeah. he's admitted he's not a good writer, and you he doesn't really show passion for writing. Dump that beautiful woman who yeah. seems to love you and get yourself whatever it is that you're looking for. Right. Um. All right. I, How would you have turned this one around? How would you have made this episode better? My first thought is that you have to go blackmail. Like this thing should have it should have started where he's getting him successful somehow and then blackmailed him for his body. Right. That's what I my thought was you start this yeah, you start this in the middle. You start with him as a successful screenwriter and somehow it is revealed that he is he's getting, you know, this he's yeah. getting all this stuff magically. A, the time has come, Harry. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, Jesus. I mean, you could have even done where, like, he's being interviewed by a reporter who finds out a secret and he kills the reporter. Yeah. And then the and then the answering machine's like, I won't do this again. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to write for you anymore. And, and the answering machine has, like, recorded all the murder and stuff. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. There was, like, a million other things. Yeah, they have a tape recorder. Yeah. And it could have played back, like, everything. Mm-hmm. But no. Yeah, while well, detectives are in there. And it can say whatever it wants. Right, because it has its voice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there was a million other things they could have played with. Yeah. They played with none of them. Um, but I do agree with you completely. Start in the middle of this thing where he's successful. Because it wasn't about... If he would have said no to the to, to, to the Faustian deal, which, by the way, I wrote down, is this answering machine the devil? Because I was like, oh, before I knew that it was yep. just fame yeah. that he wanted. If he would have, if he would have taken that deal at that point in time, there was no reason for him to, because he had nothing. Harry Anderson's character had no right. money, right? So he no talent, no money. It's... He literally had no stakes in the game. Right. Yeah. All he had was arms. This answering machine could have inhabited anything else. Yeah. If this episode was, you know, I don't know, six years later and it could have just been a fax machine, like you don't need Harry Anderson. Now you can just print. Yeah. 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 And that's the other thing, too, is that also I love that when because the last shot he the answering machine wakes him up and it's supposed to be like the middle of the night, but they light it. It's clearly it's daytime right the sun is up so at worst he's waking him up at like 8 30 a.m right. or something like that and like 
and then he starts typing it out and it's just he's like i don't want to be up no time is money get up start get to work what's the punishment here he the answering machine needs harry he needs him right so this is they've struck this deal and now they're both it's a win-win why didn't the answering machine just ask him we didn't need this episode just be like hey buddy i can get you rich and i just want the fame right so right under my pen name like no stakes no stakes what would you have called this episode instead of uh, all, all a clone, a clone by, by the, the telephone? telephone. Oh, oh man. I wish I would have thought about this. Do you have one? You go first. <laughs> okay. Ooh, I got one. I'll call you later. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> How about fame calling? Oh, that was pretty good. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Or I'm just really placating you. Um, I thought mine was a real shit sandwich, so I'm prouder of yours than I am of mine. Nut transmission? (laughs) No. Oh, can we just call it nut talk? (laughs) Nut talk. Nut talk. Just a hot episode of nut talk. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, <laughs> I do. I just noticed a note I have. Uh, must have been written by an old timey writer. <laughs> you are one hundred percent correct. Yep. Yeah. I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, uh, I, I think so. So, um, I, how many answering machines would you guys have given this? Yeah. There we go. Oh man. Scale of one to ten. Scale of one to ten answering machines. One. One being. I'm judging this based off of other episodes of this and not... No, let this episode stand on its own merit. But I mean, like, judging this based on, like, what a great TV show is, like, next to an episode of Seinfeld, or judging this in terms of an episode of Tales of the Dark Side? It's going to be whatever whatever feels feels okay. right to you. I mean, we're... I, I, I My judgments are within the world, world of, of Tales, Tales from, from the, the Dark, Dark Side. Side. Okay. Yeah. So I will go ahead... But, but there are some very good episodes of Tales from the Dark Side. No, you, have, you haven't I, seen them yet, but I've I've seen three, and I will give this a six based off of that. Ooh, all right, because it's in the middle of the three I've seen. Okay, all right, so six answering machines, Maddie. This is a hot three answering machines. For okay, me. Oh. yeah, I'm giving it. I'm giving it. I'm giving it five answering machines Ooh, okay. because I I love Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson is great for this. Yeah, he's he carries this episode. Mm-hmm. Would you suggest people watch this episode, Matt? I mean, probably not. Uh, I don't know. Yes, it's so hard. In the context of like, I've been watching them and I started watching them and they're just kind of funny and I like watching them. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Okay. I can deal with that. All right. Uh, I wouldn't I'm... go out of my way. Yeah. I mean, if it's if you needed one to throw on in the background that you're not super paying attention to, all right. But no, I don't recommend like... Yeah, probably wouldn't tell anybody to watch this. No, I, I wouldn't recommend this one. It's uh-huh. it's. I'm not gonna be mad at you if you watch this. <laughs> I'm not gonna kick you out of bed for watching this episode. 
Oh my gosh. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us this week. It is sure. great, great to have you. No, you have thank been you. awesome. Your dedication, your notes. That was hey, excellent. You took so I'm many trying. notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, if there's anything that you want to promote or plug, feel free. Sure. Uh, Andy Reed, fellow improviser, and I do a sports podcast called Fumbling Around. It's on iTunes and Stitcher. We also have fumblingaround.com. You can find it there. Someday we plan to write some stuff on there, oh. but we haven't yet. Do you have to have um, a lot of sports knowledge to enjoy fumbling around? No. Oh. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, you definitely do not. That doesn't mean you will enjoy it just because you don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. You but really you played it safe Okay, there. great. You don't need to to enjoy it. Okay. For sure. All right, fair It's enough. a very casual conversation about sports. It's not analysis. Okay. Um, you do one of my favorite things in that, which is you go... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which we've explained on the show. That started... Uh, a road we, trip, right? Yeah, coming back from Omaha, the Omaha Improv Festival. Me, Andy, and Mitch, and um, a few other people like Maggie and Katie and stuff. And for whatever reason, like... Uh, somebody said a bad joke and it like it didn't land, so I just went <laughs> and like so we just started doing that, just tagging jokes that didn't land with that. Like I don't know, hey, nice shoes, <laughs> real stinker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on the podcast, it is now taken on its whole new thing. Andy and I just do it all the time. It's <laughs> it's. I did it during. I did it on stage in a show at Go Comedy last week. I think a showdown or pandemonium, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Like somebody said something, and I was just sitting on the sideline. And I just went, <laughs> and I was like, nobody knows what that is. What are you doing? <laughs> the guy with the glasses and the beard's an insane person. Yeah, what's his deal? Oh man. Oh gosh, Jen, thank you so much. Matt, thank you so much. I uh, just want to remind our audience that uh, they can find us on iTunes and they can find us on Stitcher. And Google Play. We are on Google Play. And Google Play. Um, if you guys are enjoying the show uh, and could give us a review, that would be excellent. That helps other Tales from the Dark Side fans find our show um, because this is a niche audience and we are small but mighty. So let's get together <laughs> nice. and tell your friends. Rally the troops. Can I say one more thing? And you, you can, can cut Absolutely. it out if it's too long. Uh, the ringer.com just had an article. Um, it's like a pop culture website. Mm-hmm. They just had an article about podcasts that are doing these neat niche kind of shows. And they talked more so about sh- podcasts that are dissecting things minute by minute, like Star Wars by the minute. Oh. And there's a bunch of podcasts that are doing that. But it was a whole article about podcasts that are kind of taking these taking shows and doing this kind of thing is kind of interesting. Oh, neat. But very long. Okay. I'll take a read. Yeah. I'll give it a sweet read. Yeah. That a I sweet guess I'm read. more telling you guys that than okay. your audience. I don't know. Hey, our audience loves podcasting too. Nice. And we love them. Huh. Maddie, am I doing my uh, apology and uh, explanation of our, our new game? Uh, oh, yeah. Right we should here, probably do or that. Or are we going to record? Is that going to get... No, get, let's, go- let's do that now. Okay. Um, let's do that now. So... Um, We'll figure out how to... Let's do a clean break. Okay. So last week in the episode that we had, um, after the episode, Jen and I talked, and we talked about a new feature that I want Jen to explain to everybody right now. So last week's episode was very depressing uh, because it was terrible, and I realized that I wasn't enjoying uh, recording it or talking about it. (laughs) 
Uh, and that's not good for you guys. It's not good for our guests. And it uh, doesn't make for great entertainment for anyone. <laughs> so we thought... How can we fix Should I be saying this, Matt? Is this no, too much? No, I love all of okay. I love this honesty. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard. It's like, I have this realization that yeah. like you probably don't want to hear me not enjoy something. <laughs> so here is our new feature. Um, every season of Tales from the Dark Side, there are going to be, so there are four seasons that we will be reviewing. So each season, Matt and I will each have the opportunity to hit the emergency exit button. Uh, we will have a special sound effect. Yep. Um, we'll find it and yep. be playing it right here. So when you hear that sound, that sound means one of us hates this episode so, so much, much that we don't want to talk about it anymore. When you hear that sound, we're going to have three minutes to sum up that episode. From there, Matt and I and our guest are going to improvise a show uh, based a show with the same title that we would rather see right based on the name of the episode Correct. that we watched yeah <sighs> we'll have you back i wish we watched a shitty episode <laughs> <laughs> well we're only doing it we're each only doing it we're once doing a it, season so, yeah, so uh, it's okay. two times a season yeah because what we also are going to do is um you may have noticed fellow listeners that i have pulled the uh tales from the dark side music out of uh, of the episode's uh, recently, based on the it became a little too monotonous mm. uh, feedback that I got, so I pulled it out. Uh, if you disagree with that and you miss it completely, let me know. And or if you have other spooky sounds that I could end, edit in that aren't copywritten, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, because we'd like to not get sued. <laughs> Or if you'd like to talk about other stuff, uh, you'd like to talk about episodes you're looking forward to seeing, you'd like to talk about... Uh, uh... Oh, snap. I need to thank people on uh, the Facebook. So, oh, yes. On the Facebook. I reached out to the Darksiders. Tales from the Darksiders is a, um, a group, group on Excellent Facebook. Excellent group. Oh. All, all with people who love Tales from the Dark Side. Mm -hmm. I posted a question about uh, an episode, A Case of the Stubborns, where I wanted to know what, when people thought that episode took place. Because in that episode, we have a discussion that did it take place in the 1920s, 80s? Uh, because of the way that Brent Spiner is dressed is very turn of the century. But then um, our, my boy Cuffs has a clip-on tie, which is pretty 80s. Uh, so people thought it was indeed more around the turn of the century. Okay. So thank you for uh, the two people who reached out whose names I can't remember at this point, but you did it, and I appreciate it. And one of them is a, a loyal listener. Ah, excellent. Uh, so that is very, very awesome. Oh, that's great. And then Joe Plumbeck reached out as well. Oh, that's excellent. On the Dark Siders. We'll so have to have him on. We will have to have him yeah. on. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Of course. Thank you. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Matt and thank Matt. Thank you. And um, you know what? This week, everybody, if you could do us a favor, try to enjoy the daylight. If you have time at some point, whenever there is some daylight, and I guess until next time, just try to enjoy the daylight. Try. Okay. Matt, <laughs> just try. Huh? Just try it. You'll like it. I'll try. It's some daylight. Have some daylight. Transmissions from the Dark Side is created, hosted, and produced by Jen Hansen and Matt Noss. Edited by Matt Noss. And hosted by Go Comedy Media. 
Our theme music was composed and performed by Slasher Dave. You can find him on Bellyache Records. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at T from the Dark Side and on Twitter at TFTBSPod. Email us at tfromthedarkside at gmail.com. Until next time, try to enjoy the daylight.